just, just something like, about that is really funny. And they, you know, they ask him what's the question. He goes, "Hmm, I'd have to think about it." <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, and welcome to the 13th episode of the Audiobook Club podcast. My name is Jonathan, and I'll be hosting today's episode, and I'm joined by Michael, Stephen, and Jason. Do you want to say hello, guys? Hello, guys. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Sweet. And today we'll be covering The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, which is written by Douglas Adams and read by Stephen Fry. So, uh, a quick summary of what the book's about. Um, so it's a comedy science fiction novel Um, it was written in 1979 and it follows the misadventures of Arthur Dent who is the last surviving man following the demolition of the earth and he and a group of characters um, who we'll talk about shortly um, go on basically an adventure and uh, explore the galaxy Um, so why did I choose this book? well, I chose it because I wanted to find out the meaning of life, um, and I heard this is the place to go. Um, but really, uh, I chose it because this is you know, one of the most famous books of all time, um, definitely in re- recent history, um, in terms of uh, recent pop culture. And I just, I just kind of really like the combination of the sci-fi and comedy genres. Um, uh, I just feel like this is probably, probably the book to go to um, for that. And, you know, like, uh, for example, this, this, there's not many books that can open with a massacre of billions of people, and somehow it's funny. So um, that's just kind of the humour up my street. So, um, yeah, that's that's why I chose this book. Um, so, do you, obviously, the, uh, I'm sure the three, my three uh, co-hosts here have all seen or read this book before, but... Um, what do you remember? What um, like your first encounter of this book was like, and what you thought the first time round, and then compare with this time round, or any thoughts? Um, I can't really remember, but I I think I saw the, the you know the two thousand and five or six. I can't remember which film first. Five, uh, five, two thousand five. Or part part of it, and I was like, this is a bit weird. <laughs> and then I think I think it was when I first subscribed to audible it was free and then loved it loved everything about it read the, f- the next two books i think before something else caught my attention but yeah um it's 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 one that i come back to every couple of years uh and enjoy it every single time and do the same thing i, I listen to the next two <laughs> of the series and then uh something else distracts me so so you've never finished yeah, it. I love it what do you mean the full series yeah, there's five of them is it not I think, uh, yeah, I think there's five or six, but I get to the third one and there's something about the, it's too slow or something, and then I, I get uh, distracted <laughs> by more exciting things. Fair. Maybe I can talk about that a bit later. Talk about that in about two years' time when we review the third one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Well, I had already, I think I maybe touched on this, 
uh, already listened to it. Um, so I think I mentioned this in the last podcast episode uh, that I had actually just very recently listened to The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy already in 2023. Um, and I was not looking forward to my second listen of it <laughs> just a few months later when you announced it on that lie. Because um, I did not enjoy it one bit. Stephen recommended it to me. Oh. I gave it a go. But, yeah. Well. Um, we'll get. We'll definitely get on the, more into that there. That could cause a stir. Um, I'm about to quit. <laughs> Michael? Yeah, so, um, Goodreads, the site Goodreads, has, uh, has this subsection called Listopia. And it basically, it's a lot of lists of different, um, you know, the best cozy mysteries, the best... Um, young adult books and stuff like that and one of the lists is the best science fiction books so the users vote for these and i think hitchhikers i can't remember if it's that or june which is top but it's i think hitchhikers is in the top two or three anyway so i kind of i kind of was making my way through that list just wanted to listen to like the classic science fiction books so uh got to hitchhikers and i was not expecting a comedy book at all and it really, it really surprised me when I first listened to it and kind of, I just, I just really, really liked the book and I was really surprised by it the first time I read it. Uh, fast forward a bit, listened to the audiobook when that came out, Stephen Fry narrating it. And I don't, I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying that, you know, I love this book because I think I, I said that very early in our podcast. I think me and Stephen both said that that we were looking forward to reviewing this one day. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's an absolute classic. You know what I find really funny about that Goodreads thing? Where it's like top two of science fiction. Yeah. Because it is science fiction, but it's also like a parody of science fiction in ways. Yeah. And and I think that's really funny. (laughs) Yeah. That it's like so highly rated, even though it's a parody. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Because it's sort of a, it's sort of making fun of science fiction tropes at yeah, the same th- time as. But I think that also shows how well how well written it is because, you, you know, it's 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 poking fun at it, but also standing on its own in the genre as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, as I mentioned, what when I was talking about why I chose it, like I like really like this book this was the second time i think when i, I only have been listening to the audio so it four years now just i think it was just before like the whole covid thing kicked off i got my first subscription and i think this is the second book after um the first harry potter um this was the second audiobook that i got um and had yeah, a really I mean, strong start yeah, yeah just, so, i was obviously just, just riding the stephen fry train were you yeah, yeah. there's so you know the programming language i uh, i'd say a lot are like this but the tutorials um for it are like like say you create like a table and the table will be like filled with names of characters or like the number 42 or things like that um yeah. so it like there's there's just references to this book everywhere and like kind of any nerdy kind of uh topic like pop like culture yeah yeah um and i just think like the this, like you know the scientific stuff behind it was so interesting like and it's just i think that's why the comedy goes so well with it because you can kind of make that stuff as wacky as you want um like the you know their their uh their ship has like this probability engine and stuff like that um which we'll talk about more 
um, but things like that where it's you know it's got some kind of scientific backing and then they just like kind of like let loose and it's just ridiculous um, I just yeah it's like I this book when I say a comedy I would never say I laughed out loud at this book but I definitely had a few internal chuckles like it's <laughs> it's just one of them kind of things it's just you're just kind of reading it you're just like yeah it's, it's pretty funny um, I, I I definitely physically laughed out loud a, co- a couple of times <laughs> yeah, at this book at, at stages There's, a few times yeah do you know what was funny? I was watch I watched the movie, which we'll talk about as well. I watched that today, and uh, there's that scene. You know, whenever uh, like I think the the muscles get fired at them, and then the muscles turn on the a sperm wheel and like some basket of flowers. Um, but like I was the- I was hoping we would talk about that later, but that's my favorite scene in the entire book. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We'll, we'll we'll come back to that, but um, just things like that. You know, where it's like it just turns on this something wacky. Um, I just, yeah. Yeah, I just is that. it your favorite because the whale ponders its existence <laughs> i think but, i think it is because like i think the i think what i love about this book is that it's kind of it's not nihilistic but it's very existential and it's not yeah. in a pessimistic way it's kind of it's kind of optimistic optimistic but existential it's kind of like joyful but also like as jonathan was saying it's not many books where you're just like the entire planet's wiped out and you're sitting there smiling because it's such a you're having such a fun time you know it's it's very unique yeah. kind of t- take on these on this subject matter and i think i think the whale scene uh, you know is a good like microcosm of that uh yeah. well, i think we're, we're getting now on the let's like dive a bit deeper so <clears throat> the book basically kicks off um with arthur dent who's the main protagonist and his house is about to be demolished um, because there's a, a road bypass supposed to be going through um, where his house is and he essentially lies down in front of the bulldozer and then his friend um, I think it, I can't remember how many it's a few years I know he's been his friend for like 10 years or something like that um, but his friend Ford Prefect arrives and says um, here we need to we need to talk about something that's head to the, the pub um, so um, he convinces uh, Arthur to go to the pub with him and basically explains that the world's going to end um, and he's actually an alien from a nearby planet, Betelgeuse, and there's basically this other alien species, the Vogons, that are about to come in and destroy Earth um, to basically make a uh, like a hyperspatial express route. So basically, like a bypass, but like on a grand scale, um, which I always I like this first part of it. I find quite funny because it's like I think the the funniest, but then it's like whenever um, they kind of say they. Um, Arthur, like, did you not go down to the planning office? The, the thing, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The, the, like, the planning permission or whatever has been on display for like a year, and he's like, I had to go down to a basement to find it or whatever. It's not really been on display. And then the the Vogons, when they finally arrived to destroy the Earth, they uh they say basically the same thing. It's like this thing's been in the some other like galaxy for fifty years or something. Like, how how have he's not seen it? If he's the one I uh, take the like be bothered to go and see it, then that's not our problem. I thought that kind of that, that's quite a funny opening day book, and yeah, that's why I think um I think I, the comedy resonates so much with me too. It's like it's like he's at one point he's like pointing. There's it's kind of biting if you go underneath the surface. It's like look at how ridiculous bureaucracy is, and then yeah. at another point it's just it's really funny and it's really ironic because it's the same thing happening on a larger scale. Um, Jason, do you have any? hang the ad to this first bit what do you think is this is this does it start here with your hate of this book or okay at this moment? I, I, I give it a chance at this stage but yeah it's it's not it's not a great start for me um 
Why? I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> because there's just... It makes no sense. Because I like Stephen Fry <laughs> narrating all their books. But for some reason, Stephen Fry's voice just annoys me in this book. I think everything just annoys me in this book. <laughs> that's that's blasphemy. <laughs> Apart from the whale scene. Okay. Oh yeah. That's I didn't so enjoy it. <laughs> it's uh this opening scene. Yeah. Um I don't know. I don't know what to say. Do you have anything positive? <laughs> Probably. Well, that kind of says it all, I guess. Nothing says it all. Um. <laughs> every, every time I listen to it, I think, what would a hyperspace bypass be? Is it just like empty space? That, you know, it's like can, I, I, light speed through? Yes. Think about, think about hyperspace. You would be traveling so fast. Or hyperspace, yeah. yeah or hyper, uh, you can't actually change your direction on you're going that fast. So there has to be the like clear, a wor- sort uh, of like a wormhole, uh, like like a clear path that there's that you're not going to bang into anything. But um, that that's a, that's from an actual scientific perspective. I don't know what they mean it to be in this. Is it just a place that's uh, I, I, is like a where all the traffic? I goes? don't even think he had a, a like a meaning for it. I think it's just supposed to be funny, like you know, comparison. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, Essentially, then, yeah, the, the Vogons come to the Earth. Um, they basically announce we're about to destroy the planet, and Arthur and our uh, Ford basically have, have them revealed to Arthur that he's like a from an alien planet. Um, is able to like basically beam them up under the um, Vogon ship, and they essentially hitch a ride. Um, hence, why they're now essentially hitchhikers. Um, so this is kind of where Ford, um, like obviously Arthur's quite confused what what even's going what's going on like you know um so Arthur lends him the electronic guidebook the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy um and gives him this um Babelfish, uh which is essentially allows him to translate alien speech so this is kind of where it starts to get you know techy and stuff like that or like weird technologies and things like that um and I think then uh, Ford mentions therefore that the camp if they're found on the ship um, because the Vogons hate uh, hitchhikers they're going to be ejected basically into space um, so essentially that, that, that is exactly what happens and uh, I think it mentions that the probable or the the, uh, ch- the survival is like 30 seconds in space with a full uh like lungs full of air um so if you take a big breath before you're ejected out you can survive about 30 seconds and then at the 29th seconds they're picked up by uh the ship is called the heart of gold um so it does mention in the booklets that there's basically i think one chapter on the heart of gold is basically stolen um by a guy safod beeplebrox um who is the president of the galaxy and he just steals this this uh ship and essentially the ship has got like a um what's the name for it uh infinite probability drive yeah yeah the an engine (laughs) an engine um (laughs) yeah the infinite improbability drive which basically um improbability yeah is essentially why they get picked up like one second from about to be dying and like you know obviously it's it mentions how big space is and you know the probability that someone's going to actually you know, fly through this part where they've been ejected and they at this at the, the at the right time is very improbable, which is exactly why the ship which runs with this infinite improbability drive um picks them up. 
Um, but yeah, so this is essentially where we meet the rest of the characters, um, the main characters in the book. So uh, Seafod, Beeblebrox, uh, another human female called Trillian, and uh, there's a robot Marvin, a depressed robot. Um, so what what's your thoughts on this part of the book end? What's, what do you think of the first introductions to the rest of the crew? Per Marvin. <laughs> yeah, Marvin's quite sad, isn't he? Just a bit sad. Just a wee bit depressed. I I thought um I thought this part of the book was like it was so fast paced, so frenetic, and it was just throwing so so much uh, all at once. But it, it just worked for me. It was really I was really on board for the ride, and I always am with this book. Um. It's funny that uh, you know they're drifting out in space and they're picked up by this ship by random because that sort of breaks a lot of the rules of storytelling where um, you want the protagonists to be proactive. You don't want these massive coincidences, but it kind of it does this thing uh, like screen screenwriters refer to as lampshading, where uh, when you point the thing out how absurd it is or, or something, then you can actually use that. So the fact that they're pointing out that them being picked up is so improbable, it, but it's part of the plot. It's an actual plot point, and it adds to kind of the zaniness. Is why I think it actually works in this yeah. book, and it's not, and it, it's the reason why Douglas Adams can break so many rules, and this because he's just he's just mastered what he's doing, kind of. Yeah, I feel, I feel like when I'm reading this book or listening to it, I I feel like this is like, you know. You, there's no rules essentially it's like you feel like there's rules but there is no rules really like it's it's just kidding like it could take a turn anywhere yeah it's just a roller coaster kind of that you're on on the ride for i don't think like this kind of plot would really work for most stories but i think i think it just does work for this book yeah the whole point of it is like that there's just a random machine that makes things randomly and anything can happen yeah right which is is not good storytelling and most stories but i would argue that it just it works for this book the tone that's established and everything and the the themes of the book it just it just feels like it fits and it feels right to me anyway but i know jason you did not find this i I think satisfying i think the problem is that yeah like the the humor just doesn't hurt for me from the off and like the whole book is just one big long joke and yeah, I just I just can never get into it. I guess twice now, I've listened to it. Third times a charm. Yeah, <laughs> not a chance. Um, and even like I know the movie, Jay. It's even worse. Uh, Michael was saying that the other day. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I don't know. And even like I know the plot is very much. There's not much of a plot, but like I have listened to this book twice, and I would still need to look at something now to tell me what actually happened in this book. I was just going to say, it does really hinge on you buying into the humour and just kind of being along for the ride so I can completely see if you're just not on board for that at all, why this book is a complete drag. Yeah. I, I, I have the same thing as like what what uh, like you know there's a couple of books where I've had the same feeling where I haven't enjoyed them and you just kind of find yourself like not really like you can't follow it as well if you're not on it and you just kind of like get lost a lot. See, I think a part of the problem there is that it wasn't originally a book. 
it was, it was this kind of eats on the Mitrovia but, but you it was you, ori- that, <laughs> originally <laughs> a radio play right for for laughs so it's not I don't think it was written to have a cohesive a super cohesive plot that you know loads of stuff happened it's sort of like Monte Monte Python in that way where that's like separate sketches stitched together this yeah. is yeah. if you like these funny space antics stitched together as a plot it's funny yeah. you say that because I, I was literally watching Monty Python before this we started <laughs> recording <laughs> he knows <laughs> and I, I think a lot of people have that issue with Monty Python that Jason said where they just they don't really get that humor and they just they don't buy into it and watching it's just a drag for them so uh, it is a it is a thing yeah See the movie I watched, like I said, and I watched that today. I think the movie is actually like it's one of the movies. Like if I hadn't read the book, I would have been like, "This is absolutely terrible." But like the movie is like so <laughs> stupid that it's good. Yeah. Uh, like there's uh, so, so many funny scenes. Like there's I actually did laugh out loud a few times at the movie. Like there's a scene when they're about to get like shot out of the air, like shot on the space. They like get put under the airlock, and then uh, Arthur, who's played by Martin Freeman. Uh, basically says we're, we're going to die aren't we and uh, <laughs> Ford like turns around and sees like these buttons on this like wheel on the wall he goes hold on man what's this over here and starts pressing all nothing, nothing actually does anything he's like oh no actually right we're going to die <laughs> there's <laughs> all, like things like that there like there's such like stupid like jokes but they just but I think that is in the book as well isn't it you? as it uh, uh, yeah I couldn't yeah, remember I if that was yeah. in the book yeah but um, just just wee things like that like it's kind of wee like they're literally like, wee wee like small jokes but they're just yeah, I think those are what I actually like like love about this book that he just like sprinkles these yeah. jokes in there I think those throwaway lines are the best I can't remember the exact line but or something like I think it's describing a ship or something but it's like it hung in the air the way a brick wouldn't or something like that <laughs> it's just I find that so funny that's uh, a that's a it's a perfect description while also at the same time not describing at all what it's talking about yeah. so i think on on the ship then the the heart of gold um so safe out people rocks again the president of the galaxy and essentially the captain of the ship um basically sends this uh depressed robot marvin um so this marvin is a, a robot that's like super intelligent and they tried to give it like a personality or something whoever created it uh the, the robot and essentially it's like really just really depressed all the time um but he sends Marvin down to escort the hitchhikers up to the, the bridge and essentially introduced them um, to Zephod. And then, as it turns out, that uh, um, Arthur and Trillian, who are uh, both from Earth, um, actually know each other. Um, so I think Ar- uh, Arthur basically tried to um, get with Trillian. Who, I can't remember the name or Earth name. I think Trillian's like a, a new name, isn't it? Trisha yes. McMillan. Uh, Trisha McMillan, that's it, yeah. Um, yeah, so basically Arthur uh, met her at a party and um, it didn't, basically he failed um, trying to get with her um, because this guy came in and essentially said, I have a spaceship. Um, yeah, basically came in and said, I have a spaceship. Um, and she was just like, oh, sweet, they'll go with you. Um, and obviously <laughs> that was supposed to be interpreted as a joke, but you know, this guy actually was Seafold Beaverbrox who did have a spaceship and then um, obviously now, now here she is. Um Thing is, though, that, he huh? he had a he had a spaceship, but he's also like, you know, guaranteed shagger, like so. Oh, I uh, top. 
Um, I like, I like, yeah, and I think like it's like um, it's implying basically that Arthur big character flaw is that he's not spontaneous. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like a Martin, it's like Bulbo Baggins, like Martin Freeman character, where he, he he's the kind of guy that doesn't want to go on adventures and finds himself on an adventure. Yeah, I think they have a trope name for that. I think it's I think it's the reluctant hero. It's it's Martin Freeman is the name. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's Martin Freeman. We're, it's it's renamed to Martin Freeman. <laughs> um, but here I think too they have the first uh, uh, mention of a food item, Michael, and you said you were going to try a food item so did you happen to get yourself on any uh pangalactic gargle blasters when you were out there or there i have a few they have a few pints at the start don't they <laughs> we, All the i feel like we start, had a few at lee's wedding like he does have a few pints a special food that's only ever mentioned in this in this book <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up i didn't have anything food wise from this book but I did happen to pick up a hitchhiker. I, w- I walked to work listening to this book. And then when I got into the office, I went into the bathroom to pee, took off my coat and there was a bee sitting on my shoulder. And I was like, holy crap, is that like a dead bee on my shoulder? Then the bee started moving and I like freaked out. And then uh, the bee dropped to the floor. And I heard her that like you're supposed to give bees sugar water when they're struggling so i put it outside i give it some sugar water and then it flew away so that's my that's my how i i took this book on board into my should have ejected that bee on the space michael that's that's what the if you really followed the story of the book you would have followed that bee back to its hive and obliterated the entire colony apart from one <laughs> But yeah, that's how I, that's how I practically loved this book this time because oh, I couldn't okay. find a pangalactic gargle blaster. Blaster. <laughs> <laughs> I like they say the description in the book is like it's like it's like getting hit up in the, your head with a, like a lemon like brick or something like that. It's something something stupid. Gold, like something about a gold brick guy. Uh, um, it sounds but, amazing. Um, I was just like, yeah, that's, that's like fucking Ray and Nephi or something. That's, that's exactly uh, what I'll, <laughs> I'll have a bit of that. Uh, Not a um, muck for me. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, so um, the next scene is uh, that the Heart of Gold basically reaches its uh, destination, which is the planet Magrathea. Um, so the planet Magrathea is, is where um, other planets are built. Um so it's basically like wealthy customers will order a planet um, so and then some architects from this planet will build um, the planet for them um, so once they get there Magathea sends out a message saying that they're closed for business and then fires some missiles at the heart of gold and I think the computer the so the, the this probability improbability engine um, also kind of has like an AI system that speaks to them as well and says that the probability of you surviving this or is it it's, maybe it's Marvin that actually works at the probability I can't remember but um, the probability of surviving this uh, missile these fired missiles is like very very low the chances of surviving it so um, of course then the improbability drive kicks in and does its magic and then this is where we're introduced to the sperm whale and I think it's is it a, a, the flowers are like petunias or something like that 
Something like that, yeah. So uh, I guess you just wanted to talk more about the sperm whale, so here's your chance now. Best bit in the book. Yeah. <laughs> I lo- I, you didn't like this book and you say that, but I love this book and I still say that. It, uh, yeah, it's my my favorite part of the book. It's, it is. It's just... It's such a divergence, but it's it's so funny. I, I it's hard to describe. It's just I think it's the only bit that made it's me so laugh. Honest and yeah, it's so like it's so innocent from the whale's point of view, and it's so like it feels very real to what uh, to what a new experience would be. But it's like it's kind of under a kind of cynical way because we know what's going to happen to the whale. <laughs> And I, yeah, it's just it's just so hilarious. It's just this mix of so many things that are yeah, happening on that moment. It's like fast paced realizing what everything is and that it's got like yeah. sentience and everything. Uh, yeah, and it used to be a muscle and all this. And it, yeah, it's like oh well, I suppose I better start coming up with names of things and, <laughs> and describing the wind and stuff like that. It's uh, I, I, he sees the ground he's like oh hello ground and then just slats him <laughs> he says I wonder if it'll be friends with me and then yeah. <laughs> and uh, Stephen Fry's delivery of that but is just uh, that, absolutely on point yeah his delivery of that whole like spiel from the whale is class and then at the end you know how the, the plant's fallen as well and it's like oh not again I know. <laughs> the, plant, the plant says to itself I've actually got the quote here. It's like, um, curiously enough, the only thing that went through the mind of the bowl of petunias as it fell was, oh no, not again. Many people have speculated that if we knew exactly why the bowl of petunias had fought that, we would know a lot more about the nature of the universe than we do now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's deeply. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. stuff like that, though, that, that's why I really like the book. Like, it's so stupid, right? But it's, yeah. but it's but it's really like heartfelt at the same time and yeah. funny yeah. as well. Yeah, I, I completely agree. That's what I, I I was kind of saying at the beginning. I think like um, so many things that take on like the subject matter of like existentialism within the universe are, are quite cynical, but this does feel warm hearted and from a good place while still being a bit biting and a bit mean. Yeah, but it feels like it it earns the meanness, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Perfect. Yeah, so at this stage, um, there's just a little kind of foreshadowing on the book um, where Trillian's pet mice, um, Benji and Frankie, um, escape from the cage. Um, we'll talk about more about what's going on there, but you, you do like at least get like this kind of line in the book. And like obviously the first time I read this or listened to it, I, uh, you know, you just kind of thought again, this might just be another random thing that's happening but of course this is actually a bit of something's going on and then after that after that uh, they actually go on to under the planet Magathea uh, after they survive the missile encounter and Seyfod, Trillian and Ford explore the planet's tunnels and Marvin and Arthur stay to guard the entrance and while he's guarding the entrance Arthur um, encounters like an elderly native of the planet who introduces himself as Slurdy Bartfast um, which is a very interesting name. Um, like I, I don't know if like this is it's probably hard to convey this in the book, but in the on in the movie uh, uh, version, they um, it seems like he just like made that name up like rather than yeah. You know, I wasn't sure if he was making it up, like he was just trying to think of what to call himself, or was he embarrassed that this was his name? 
Um, <laughs> it's hard to tell, but um, um, yeah. So the encounter he encounters Slurdy Barfast, and he basically uh, tells him um, that the population of the planet's not actually dead, but they're sleeping um, because until the economy is improved, I think it goes on basically to say anytime the you know the economy goes down and no one can afford to pay for a planet, um, which I'm sure costs a pretty penny. Um, these people go on the hibernation until the economy recovers. Um, doesn't sound like a bad idea. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, basically they're now engaged in building a second Earth, um, which has been commissioned by mice, um, which are actually like hyper-intelligent uh, pan-dimensional beings. Um, so it turned like, I think there's a funny a funny foot here where he's like, um, Arthur's like, what, mice? I'm like mice, like the wee rats or we uh what would be the word for them like rodents and stuff that like run about and he's like yeah they they've been sitting on there for years and like running tests on humans and then he's kind of like um oh no no we were the ones running testing on them and then like they kind of go through the actual tests and then arthur realizes that it was actually the humans that were under observation and not the mice um which i thought was, was again another quite funny part of this yeah i love that yeah and slurry bar fast when he says like you know such subtlety or something you know <laughs> yeah because yeah. it weirdly does kind of make sense what, he, it, what yeah. he's saying doesn't the, the book opens too we like it's like humans are the third most intelligent dolphins are the second and the dolphins um basically were trying to warn the humans of what's going to happen oh, yeah. but the humans mistook it for them trying to like do tricks and stuff like that and they basically like yeah. left the planet and said thanks for the fish <laughs> things like that <laughs> that's sort of funny um, which is the title funny. of the fourth book yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the the movie starts off with that doesn't it like the it's like we yeah the dolphins ascending the top quote on uh on goodreads the top voted quote does about the dolphins as well the one that it's like for instance on the planet earth man had always assumed that he was more intelligent than dolphins because he had achieved so much, the whale, New York, wars, and so on, whilst all the dolphins had ever done was muck about in the water having a good time. But conversely, the dolphins had always believed that they were far more intelligent than man for precisely the same reasons. <laughs> so that's the that's the top quote. Yeah, that's, the that's a good one, actually. Um, oh yeah, so the, the, the planet builders um, have built uh, like a supercomputer, um, Deep Thought, which is basically the, supposed to be the most powerful uh, computer in the universe at that moment, and or like in the, at the moment it was built in the past, um, whenever they did first construct it, and it's they basically ask it the question, what is the answer to life, the universe, and everything, and it says that it's going to take seven point five million years to compute the answer, and then um, so that was seven point five million years ago, and then uh, like I think they what it's like a video or something he shows them or like a like a clip from what happens and then they wait the 7.5 million years and then the computer declares that the answer is 42 which is a very famous kind of like reference um to the number 42 yeah. um, it's a answer, right? which i said there it's like basically all over that those tutorials and stuff in programming you see this number mm-hmm. um it's a, it's an all sort it's a trivia all across like science fiction and stuff as well. yeah yeah it just crops up everywhere very famous number um and then obviously they're like what why 42 like what's and it's the computer basically says that um that's that's the answer but you haven't asked the right question you need to ask the like what is the question that gives the answer 42 um 
and it's, I think it says it's going to, it's going to, it does, it can't answer it, but it can build a computer far more powerful than itself to answer the question. And that computer turns out to be the Earth, which had just been destroyed by the Vogons, um, just as it was about to complete this uh, calculation. Um, so what did you think? Oh, that's kind of a lot of information there. What, what did you think about this this whole like making the the what, what uh, I, world building? What I stuff? find really funny is that Deep Thought has to you know he spends millions of years or whatever uh, thinking of the <clears throat> the answer, but he doesn't know the question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, well, just something like, about that is really funny. And they you know they ask him what's the question. He goes, hmm, I'll have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> And then he just, you know, another millions of years go by until the, they build the computer. Yeah. It's really funny. Yeah, I, I agree with Stephen, basically, for the same the same things, the same reasons, kind of why I love this part. Um, you know, the, the iconic 42 and all that. It's, it makes me, makes me smile every time I listen or read to it. It's... But- that whole flashback, you no, know, we're, we're I say flashback. The whole video that Slarty Barfast shows Arthur, I, I really like that whole that that whole chapter. Just everything yeah. from start to finish is really funny. The whole thing where you know the the mice, I say mice. I don't think they're mice in the video because they're like pan dimensional beings or something. But yeah. like, their their names and stuff like what was their names? Lunkwill and and Fook, which is you know they're supposed to be sound sort of rude. No. Yeah. Like bad words. Um, what did uh What did you think of this part of the book, Jason? I'm eager to hear, hear more opposing thoughts. Um. <laughs> uh. I mean, I had known about the answer being 42. Um, I like to have a little fun guess in my head both times as he's about to say the answer and be like, "Which number is it again?" I try to remember before I said it. Uh, that was about as much fun as I had with the scene. Hi, do you just want to know we're actually on minute 42 of, as we record this? We are. Oh, oh my God. 42, 42. Um, that is the answer, though. I think I actually said that on 42, 42. <laughs> <It does>. um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt your thought. <laughs> I just had to point that out. Are you okay? Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, it, to me, at least, feels like part of a story is going on at least with the mice and everything at <laughs> yeah, this stage so that, that's is that your big issue with the book then it's like it's not really a story it's not cohesive and it's, it's just quite nonsensical uh you're a serious man serious man always thought that you yeah. i'm very serious well that's like that's like the exact uh thing michael you just quoted about the dolphins like the exact reasons that jason hates the book is exactly why we love it <laughs> yeah for precisely the same reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so now coming towards the end of the book, um, Slarty Barfast brings Arthur to meet the mice who commissioned the building of the earth in the first place. Um, and they proved to be Benji and Frankie, who were the two mice that uh, Trillian had. Um, and essentially because Arthur had lived on the planet Earth, um, Safe Autumn Ford suggests that Arthur might have some ideas about the question, as his brain, you know, is an organic part of the Earth. And but the two mice want to uh, essentially buy Arthur's brain and chop it up to look for the answer. 
Um, so I think they're on about like, first of all, like like invent, like you know he doesn't actually know that they want the, the full brain. They like cut it open and stuff. I think they just want he thinks it's like a brain scan or something like that. And then like they kind of come to the realization, it's like yeah, we 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 want to buy the your your brain like and stuff. So um, obviously Arthur's first not not happy about that. And Arthur Ford, say Ford and Trillian, um, essentially the, the mice try to take it by force, and uh, the the crew um, are saved by the arrival of the Galactic Police, who are actually there to arrest Seifod because he was the one he uh, stole the Heart of Gold. And Marvin, uh, the the press robot, um, <laughs> who's like running the ship and the life systems. Um, essentially commit suicide um so if i, uh, I thought this is it's, it's kind of funny like, like this obviously book was written in, is written in 1979 so it's like they kind of like make jokes about like depression and suicide in this book yeah um obviously nowadays yeah. it's far more of an issue probably than it was then so i don't know if you would get this kind of thing in but i mean it's still quite like a funny way to do it like because it's just this the robots obviously a robot, which yeah, again you could go into the argument as well or not, it's like sentient or whatever, but whether committing suicide for it matters because it's just a robot anyway. They can probably reboot it back up or whatever. Um, but yeah, because, because he essentially commits suicide, and then the travelers are able to escape, and they head towards the restaurant at the end of the universe, which um, is essentially the end of the book, and that's actually the title of the next book. Um, but what did you think then about the, the, the ending? The whole thing about Marvin is is really funny and it shouldn't be. <laughs> but the <laughs> fact that he the fact that he's so boring that what is it like the, the police ship blows up, blows itself up, yeah. Because he's so boring and plugged himself yeah. in. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, um I love this part of the book as well. Um it's like yeah, Marvin has he's got the ER syndrome where he's yeah. his enti- entire character is his depression basically. Um I love the reveal of the mice and the uh the interrogation with with Arthur and then their their solution to uh to the great question uh is the the Bob Dylan song how many roads must a man walk <laughs> oh, down? Uh, that's <laughs> Didn't pick up on that actually. He's all, will, will it work? And then he's like, well, it'll get us, you know, it'll buy us some time. It's, anyway. it's science, it sounds good. It so sounds good. Just, it yeah. Yeah, but I, yeah, I thought this, uh, I thought it was a great, great ending to tie everything together. Tie the whole cohesive plot together. Isn't that right, Jason? Oh yeah, so cohesive. Yep. So, uh, so easy to keep track of. Was your favourite part about the ending, <laughs> that the fact that it was over, Jason? Is it... Oh, you bet. Luckily, like, they suffer anymore. Like, genuinely, the first time I listened to it, I was like, "Well, I'll never do that again." <laughs> two months later, <laughs> I genuinely about two, three months later. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, now I get to talk about it. <laughs> I suppose you get the you get the vent all your hatred for it. I know that's what this the podcast's all about. I don't want to just sit here and slide um, the entire time, but yeah. I feel like I'm doing nothing but well, that's your right we've all done it except for Michael uh, Michael loves all the books like he just loves he books. loves all the books yeah yeah I've, I've been on record as saying saying that <laughs> um well I think that's essentially took us to the the end of the 
the review so I guess we can jump into what's the actual good stuff here and what the rating our star rating is so I'll go to Michael first we'll, we'll maybe save Jason for last because I'm interested <laughs> <laughs> well I think uh, I think anybody could probably predict what my rating is going to be but just to summarize I absolutely love this book it's one of my all-time favorites this is like the sixth time I think that I've read or listened to this and every time I come back to it it gets better you know I just I appreciate it more every time I come back to it it's just wearing a big smile on my face while I'm listening to it almost where I have to hide my face in public because I'm just smiling at this book but um (laughs) the characters they're so they're so good they're so zany and everything is the humor just lands for me all of it it's it's so good it's just right up my street so I would 100% give this five stars and Stephen Fry's narration. It's just, we've already discussed Stephen Fry, how he's the best ever. Uh, you know, it's, I, I have nothing to, nothing really Tell to Jared add Reynolds to that. He's, good yeah, <laughs> he's just, uh, he's, he's incredible in this book as well as he is in the Harry Potter series. He's probably, probably even better in this book than he is in the Harry Potter series, I would nearly say. So, um. Yeah, five stars for that as well. I think, uh, yeah, I think I'd have to agree with a lot of what Michael said. And I'm definitely going to just straight out of the gate give it five stars. Um, uh, same same as Michael. Every time I come back to the book, I love it more and more. I haven't, I don't think it's been six times, maybe three, four times I've listened to it. Uh, but I love it every time. Um, I've recommended it to a good number of people, including Jason. Sorry, Jason. That's okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're forgiven. Um, let me see. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, the characters are all really funny. And um, even though it's such a short book, I think they're a lot. Of, they're really well fleshed out. Um, you know, they you can get a sense for all of their per- personalities. Um, even though you know, even like tiny minor characters like the Vogon guy, um, you, you kind of get his whole deal. You know, he loves poetry and uh, he's a hyper bureaucrat and all this here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I mean just everything about it. I I mean yeah, I guess it could have more plot, but that's in a slightly um, uncharacteristic way for me. I kind of like that it doesn't really have much of a plot, <laughs> and that it's just uh, you know everything's done for laughs. And uh, it doesn't have to make sense. Positive for Johnny is that there's no B plot going on as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> there is a B plot. <laughs> There's barely an A plot. Sl- Slurry Bardfast rebuilding the earth in Mecca Norway or whatever he was. Oh, yes. he said he's quite pr- he won an award for designing Norway. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the B plot. Terrible. So, what's your rating then, Stephen? Five. Five. Easy. And Stephen Fry's narration, Stephen, what, what do you think about that? Well, it's, got, it's still a five, 100%. I, I don't yeah. think it's as good as the Harry Potter's. Maybe, maybe better than one or two of them, but overall, I would say he's better than Harry Potter. Yeah. One thing, just just while we're talking about Stephen Fry's narrator, I think that's what pulls down the sequel books for me, is because he doesn't do it. Mar- oh, Martin Freeman okay. does the rest of them, and he's, he's pretty good as well. Oh. Um. But it's it's not it's obviously not to the same level, and yeah. he turns he, he gives Zephod a really like jarring American accent, and I hate it. 
it's a tough act to follow, Stephen Fry. Yeah, I know. But I would not want to do he, that. He did well. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing that you two haven't said. Um, that's uh, yeah, I agree with everything. Um, so I'll just be quick about it and say that mine's is a five as well um, for the exact same reasons. Obviously, Stephen Fry. We've talked about him many times, and yeah, like the, I just saw all the characters. Like I liked that there wasn't like you know there's only a wee handful of characters, but yeah, each one was like very unique and different. And like I love like Seifod, like how he's like you know that do you know who he reminds me of? You know uh, from Futurama. Um, what do you call him? Zap Brannigan. Like, you know, Zap Brannigan. Yeah, Zap yeah. Brannigan. Yeah, he's very like that kind of attitude, or he just he thinks he is the man. Like he's just. Yeah, that's who yeah. you remind me like so I, I loved his character and Steam Fry just like again the voice that he did for him was again another reminder to bring me to remind me of Zap Brannigan. Um, You're a real cool <laughs> boy, you. And, like, yeah, <laughs> the, <laughs> the Arthur Dent character, yeah, is just the the, the Mar- Martin Freeman was was great casting by, for that movie. Um, the only thing I don't like about the movie um, was you know they play a bit more on his relationship with Trillian. Um, obviously, that's just I, a movie Hollywood thing. They, you know, always have like a real I, uh, I love to, kind of interest. I, want, I wanted to talk about that too when we when we bring yeah. it up again on other radio. I will. I I have opinions on that too. Yeah, I'm glad that wasn't too much in the book, like because that would have probably ruined it a yeah. bit for me. Um, but yeah. yeah, five for me. So um, I'll pass it over to Jason Sharon. What do you think? One star. <laughs> <laughs> I did not have a fun time. I don't understand how a five-hour book can take me so long to finish. Um, <laughs> I don't understand how I don't enjoy the humour because I would probably argue that it should be very much up my street. That's, yeah. I mean, when I like recommended the I was like, oh, he'll love this. this you know, this is the kind of I love nonsense. Joe T-Mex all the time. Exactly. I love it. But, nah. Johnny, how much crap did we watch at uni? That was just nonsense. Oh, like, wow. it just doesn't make any <laughs> sense. It doesn't make any sense. But it just doesn't land. Uh, as I said previously, Maybe it's because of how improbable it is that you would oh, wouldn't like it. Oh, it must you know? be. Oh, it must be. But uh, yeah, I really like Stephen Fry in other books. I mentioned this already, but I, he just grates me in this. I don't know. Must just be the characters. But Christ, not for me. One star, and that one star is mostly due to the whale. <laughs> <laughs> the whale should have at least been a five star on its own, to be fair. So yeah, I thought about giving the it one and a half. I just want to acknowledge that uh, had we st- had we still been a free people podcast, that would have been our second perfect book of the podcast. But Jason s- spoiled the buzz. He ruins it. He ruined it. No, but I'm I'm glad that 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 the that the hu- humans is still the sacred cow <laughs> that we will forever forever chase. Which I have. So what did you think of the humans? Would you get a it's five? funny that you mentioned that because when I first started listening to humans, like obviously after I, I think I maybe no I listened to humans before I listened to the podcast episode, and the first sort of hour yeah. or two of the humans. I was like, oh my god, this is just going to be like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy again. <laughs> <laughs> just, I think it was just the way he was going on. I think it was just the way that like, the character was going on. I was like, oh my god, and this book's longer. I, like, I can't do it. 
but I did. I powered through, and um, I really enjoyed it. I think I probably would give it a five as well, actually. Okay, nice. Um, but it was also a couple months ago since I listened, so don't ask me exactly what happened. Cool. So that's the star ratings then. Um, Jason's address is no, I'm not um, <laughs> <laughs> comparisons. Comparisons to other media then. Um, so I've already mentioned a number of times that I just watched because just because the the movie's so fresh in my head because I watched it today. Um, that's why I've mentioned it a lot. Um, but I think Stephen, part of your trivia and what you mentioned was that this was originally a. Uh, radio comedy broadcast on BBC Radio 4 and there's also been uh, stage shows, comic books there was also a 1981 TV series and a 1984 text based video game which I'd love to play that game <laughs> that'd be um, interesting and then of course the 2005 film um, see, now, I was looking at the film because you, you never hear 2004 too... radio drama as well oh, right. um, you never hear too much about the film like, and I was looking at the cast as like Madness, like Martin Freeman, Zoe Deschanel, Alan Rickman does the voice for Marvin, um, and Bill, Bill Stephen Nye Fry is, is narrating during uh, it as well. Stephen Fry is like the voice of the book and narrating. And so I was like, geez, how's this, how's this film not like really popular? And then, of course, I watched it and was like, like, the day, like, was there a budget like 100 quid or something? Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Can I, can I talk about the film too? Because, um, I watched it recently ish, like, I, I watched it after I read it for this podcast. And uh, yeah, I I did not like the film at all. I thought, I thought it was really bad. I thought the the casting of Martin Freeman was probably the only good point. I thought um, I thought I, I I love Zoe Deschanel, but I thought she was bad in this movie. I really love her as as an actor, but yeah, I thought she was pretty bad in this movie. And I thought most of them were bad in this movie, and it was badly made, and it was and the jokes didn't land, and it's. So it can it sort of helped me see where Jason's coming from, because I well I love the movie. You, you what? <laughs> no, I just want to say it, see what you said. <laughs> it's my favorite movie. <laughs> no, I've never seen it. Ten out of ten. But at least it br- it brought the wheel, the life. You know, it's, you you got to really love that and actually see the wheel. That I haven't nice. I haven't yeah, actually seen nice. seen the movie myself. Oh, I'll maybe watch the wheel scene. See, I don't think it translates well enough to like a movie format. Maybe a TV show was better, to be honest. Uh, I think I think probably. they should do like if they done something now. I think it would be good. Like, like I just feel like that was maybe they just don't pump enough under that. Like, I feel like it's that could be like a big blockbuster movie, and they just didn't go for that. But like, like for example, like the, the special effects, like the the Vogons and that were absolutely ridiculous looking. <laughs> There, just, it felt like just, a yeah. It felt like a BBC movie. I don't know if it was uh, actually a BBC movie, but it felt like one. Could have been, I guess, if it started on BBC, then they might have yeah. done a movie. And like Martin Freeman stuff, because wasn't he like on The Office at that time as well? Yeah, probably. Yeah, so, um, oh, yeah but yeah, that's that's. I don't know if he's, do you have any other things. That's did you any of like watch the. 1981 TV series or read any of the comic books right now? No, but I want to. I just don't know where I would find it. <laughs> I haven't looked, to be honest. It's probably on iPlayer or something. But okay, it's probably readily available. Like, but um, I, yeah, I do want to see it, but I, I, I don't know because if, you, if you've ever watched any TV, like any sort of drama TV from that era, it's really hard to watch. <laughs> like the the sets and everything it just it's it's just hard to sit through 
comparisons. Yeah, comparisons that are made. Then the only other thing is, of course, there's. I think Jason, you say there's five books all together. I think there's um, five so written by Douglas. Is it Adams? Douglas uh, Adams. Yeah, I yep. think. I think I seen there's a sixth wrote, one written uh, by someone else or something. Yeah. He, oh, wow. he he wrote the first five, I think, and then he died. And I think his son or somebody might have taken like you know his some stuff he'd written. Uh, yeah, and and did a bit more. But I don't quote me on that. Yeah, I think something that happened with June, something similar happened with June as well. Yeah. I um yeah I've never read any other ones. I'd definitely be interested in like a would say off yeah, the the, most the second one I would say is I, I, I prefer the second one uh, that's what I was kind of hoping for I was like uh, is it worth reading them because obviously the, this first one is the the one that's most widely known is that because it's just by far the best and the rest are just like or is it just because it was the first one and that's why it got the most attention but the other ones actually are still quite good now the the second one the narration as I said isn't as good it's still good but it's not as good but the actual like plot, I think, is better. So, Jason, you might like the second one better, but yeah. maybe give it a maybe. message. I mean, I also don't uh, enjoy Stephen Fry as the narrator of the first one, so maybe. Because yeah. like, it changes, as like Stephen said, so yeah, maybe you might like it more. We might cover it in, an, in another future episode. I enjoyed this so much as like a standalone to that I'm kind of afraid to continue the uh. series. Yeah. See, uh, as, as I said at the start, like I, I've, I've tried to listen. I, have, I own them all. All the all the audio audiobooks, but I only ever get to the third one, and I'm not sure if I've ever finished it. Uh, I think the second one is is really good. It's probably it's, as I said, my favorite one. I think the third one starts really really slow, and then uh, I don't know. I can't even tell you where I fall off because I forget because it's, <laughs> yeah, doesn't doesn't hold the interest. But I would say it's definitely worth uh, checking a second one out. Anyway. Well, second hitchhiker. Future future episode. Yeah, could could yeah. be covered on a podcast near you soon. Who's going to do um, the first sequel? Jason's recommendation. <laughs> no, Jason's going to pick it up. Jason, do you want to change your recommendation? He's just, he's just a serious, like, serious masochist. He just loves uh, abusing himself. Uh, <laughs> uh. Um. Okay, so that's I think that's uh, you. Don't have any other comparisons. Well, the one, the one that always I stand out, and it might be because it's it's also a silly science fiction uh, like series that was on the BBC is uh, Doctor Who. It gives off a lot of the same vibes. If you've ever watched that, I think yeah, I, I read that like, Douglas think, Adams wrote some of Doctor Who. That's probably maybe that's obviously why. This. <laughs> and also Monty Python. But, uh, you know, it's 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 the same sort of thing. You know, it's, it's it's almost like a parody of science fiction, but it's it's still good science fiction at the same time. There's a lot of silly things that happen in it, and you just have to like learn to roll with it and accept that yeah. things aren't going to be are, are going to be really silly or you know, red, childish red or whatever. Dwarf. Red Dwarf is also of that elk. That's Red Dwarf, awesome, Michael. That's what I thought you were going yeah, to say. I love Steve. that book as yeah. well. Yeah. The show, the TV show, is top notch science fiction. I'm just saying. Yeah. So if you yeah, so if you enjoyed this book, check out Red Dwarf TV show or book. Both? No. Both. both. Check them both out. At the same um, time. At the same time. Um, okay. So we'll move on to trivia. Um I only have two things, so I'll go with mine first just before anyone steals them. 
Um, so the title, um, basically Adam says that it came from a 1971 incident when he was hitchhiking around Europe as a young man with a copy of Hitchhiker's Guide to Europe. Um, and then while he was lying drunk in a field um, with a copy of the book, he was looking up at the stars and he thought it would be a good idea for someone to write a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy as well. Um, obviously he would have to be drunk for that because, you know, unless you're Elon Musk, I don't know why you would need that book yet. Um, He's also He was also frantically depressed, just to insert there. That was one oh. of my trivias as well. Is, is that where the, the Marvin came from then? I think so, yeah, I think so. <laughs> So Marvin is Douglas Adams. Yeah. <laughs> um, highly intelligent but depressed. Um, and then I was I was just looking up. I wanted to know. I, I was thinking, you know, because obviously this book's so popular, and I was looking up like you know how many copies it sold. They estimate, and it was like fourteen million, which obviously is a lot, but it's not as many as I thought. Like I wouldn't even be in the top one hundred mm. best-selling books ever, um, or like fiction books. Um, so. I thought that was a bit surprising for me. I thought this would have done a lot better than that, but I guess it does only really appeal to certain circles. Like it's it's a big book in where, you know, the stuff that I work in and like Stephen you work in and our kind of areas and things we're interested in, like fantasy and stuff and obviously Michael and Jason are interested in that too. Um but I guess outside that, like, you know, maybe people couldn't give two Fs about this book, do you know what I mean? So um But yes, again Again though, you have to remember that it was a radio play. So in the seventies, that would have been huge, I imagine. So even though there's only fourteen million book copies sold, I, I bet you the numbers for the radio are like, you know, huge, astronomical. Probably. I suppose there's probably a lot of people have watched the movie as well who have never read the book like me. Before yeah. I started like listening to audiobooks, I would you know have seen a lot of movies that were based on books, but I'd never read the book. I'd say there's probably a lot of people like that too who are just content of watching the movie. And because the movie was quite terrible, they were like, you know what, I'm never reading that book. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's my trivia, so who wants to go next? Yeah, I'll go. Um, one part of the book that we didn't uh, talk about at all, and I'm kind of annoyed that we didn't, is uh, about towels. So as, everybody, <laughs> as every good hitchhiker knows, the most important item to have with you at all times is your towel. For various reasons. It can keep you warm clean up messes you can you can uh, wet it and use it in hand-to-hand combat like that, that's a direct quote um yeah. but uh, and then if it's still clean at the end you can dry yourself with it you can dry yourself with it yeah um <laughs> you can uh, this comes up in the second book i think but you can dip it under food and then you have a nice snack as well you can just suck on the end of it uh so yeah but uh, so the, a toil features like heavily in the book, and like you know when they're fleeing Earth, uh, what do you call him, Ford? Make sure Arthur has a, has a toil with him, and he's like, oh, "What what do I need a toil for? Is it you know mad?" And it's just another piece of the whole like um, craziness Over. behind the book, you know. But yeah. the inspiration for the toil comes again from that trip that Douglas Adams was taking around Europe. Um, and it, uh, apparently, like his friends would have to wait on him all the time, like when they were going places, because he couldn't find his towel. So I like that as like a little insert that he put in. <laughs> but also, um, so that town that Johnny was talking about, where he, he came up with the idea for the book, every year on the twenty fifth of May they celebrate Toil Day. 
where everybody <laughs> in the town town walks around with the tile. Can we go? And and yeah, it's it's a it's a town in Austria called Innsbruck. And that's where he came up with the book. Right. Let's go. Perhaps we should Austria. go. I only go to the Tile Day <laughs> Festival. It's, it's, it sounds mental. <laughs> so it's a good, good cracker. Eh? Um, let me see what else. Uh, Arthur's name was originally Alric, uh, and he changed it on the way to the BBC to pitch the series in the taxi. So, you know, he was uh, lastminute.com. Uh, yeah. we, we, we talked about it being on the radio about a million times. But my favourite bit of trivia is, um, so there's a part in the book called, uh, where they talk about uh, the Great Collapsing Harung Disaster. And this was like some cataclysmic event that happened on Betelgeuse, which is the planet that Zaphod and Ford are from. So we, we don't know what the Great Collapse and Harung Disaster actually was, but just that it destroyed the planet. And the thing is, in our real universe, the star Betelgeuse actually exists and is the inspiration for the planet in the book and the accompanying star. And a couple of years ago, uh, it was noticed that the star Betelgeuse started dimming. Right? Like, it was observed that it started to, like, uh, you know, it wasn't as bright or whatever. Uh, and when it was analysed, it was su- suggested that it could explode any time between now and 100 years, 100,000 years from now. But in light years, that's like, you know, anywhere from between the 14th to the 23rd century. So maybe yeah. the Great Collapse and Harung disaster actually happened. And that, right. that fucking way. I like that. Mad. It's a good, a good find, Stephen. How about that? <laughs> that is mental. It is. It's <laughs> madness. Absolutely mental. Like, it's just mental that, like, a sun in a nearby galaxy could explode at any moment. It could actually have already exploded 100 years ago, and the supernova is on its way. They wipe us out. Hmm. Mental. <laughs> You're anyway. Right. Class. Fascinating. Um, do you have any more, or does Michael or Jason, do you have any? No, I've, I did too much talking there. No. Um, I just wanted to say that um, I know this this book inspired a lot of art. Uh, one of my favorite things that it inspired is the album OK Computer by Radiohead. Uh, there's, I think if you uh, I looked on the Wikipedia, I saw that the, the name for the album came from them listening to the audiobook of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And um, there, there's a song on there, Paranoid Android. And I think there is a reference to Paranoid Androids on the, on the book as well. Yeah, Marvin. Marvin, yeah. Mar- Marvin is the paranoid yeah. android. That's his full yeah. title. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, yeah. So th- I think this was the first album I ever bought, and it's still one of my favorites. So it's it's pretty cool that it was some good did come out of this book. By this book. Funny you brought that up because I listened to that album yesterday. <laughs> really? I've been uh, going through a lot of the- albums and just listening to them. Looking at the the cover for a minute, and I was like, "What? What's the reference?" And I realized it's a bypass. <laughs> uh, did you have an hang, Jason? No, no, uh, no trivia for me. Only enough. Only, only hit an uh. <laughs> Um. So, which characters do you think we we would identify with? Do you think Jason would be Marvin? Easy. Ah, uh, 100%. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> That's how I felt, uh, anyways. 
uh, okay, so that's essentially the book covered. I, I um, want. Can I be the whale? You can be the whale, Michael. <laughs> I uh, can't change my answer. We'll go. I was the police car that Marvin was talking to. That's how I felt reading this book. <laughs> Jason um, is Ford and or Arthur while the Vogons doing poetry, Adam. Uh, <laughs> and their poetry is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their poetry is the th- only the third worst, but so what's Jason's first and second worst thing that I would hear? The, the next I dread that day. Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay, so we'll move on now to what else we're consuming. Um, so we'll start with you, Jason, since you don't have much to say or now. So what else What are, what else are you doing? What are you listening to? What are you watching? What have I been doing? Um, I've been playing a lot of Zelda in my free time. The, the new one? newest one. Yeah. The new one. Really good. Oh. Really good. Um, you kept that quiet. I know. I think I was in the middle of playing Star Wars when it came out. And then, like I do with most things, I say, no, I'm not getting it. And then the day later, I buy it because I'm terrible. I have no ability to not just throw money at things. Um, so, yeah, playing a lot of Zelda, enjoying it. haven't played it as much recently, but we've just been quite busy. Last couple of weeks was at London, and then I was back home also with you guys last week. Um so I haven't touched it much recently. Apart from that, I've been just been watching a bit of is it Secret Wars, that new Marvel TV show, Secret Invasion. Sorry. Is it any good? I'm enjoying it. I see a lot of people slagging it online, but I haven't watched the newest episode. But um, I, I think it's good. I've enjoyed most of the Marvel TV shows. Like they're not groundbreaking, but they're they're fine. They're entertaining. Um, I think that's about it, really. Stephen? Um, let me think. So, I've been playing a lot of XCOM. Uh, XCOM 2, if, you, if you've ever heard of that. It's like a big, sci-fi big alien, uh, strategy game. Yeah. Uh, it's for people that hate themselves. <laughs> because it's like really, really hard. Um, I'm playing it on Iron Man mode as well. So, if any of your characters die, they're dead forever and you can't like reload. So I really hit myself, but it's it's really really fun. Um, it's it's the sort of genre that I, I really like to play, like the, you know the strategy game where you've got like a squad of people, uh, and you know you have to it's like turn based. That's that's kind of my jam at the minute. Uh, TV wise, um, me and Sarah are watching Better Call Saul again. Uh, so it's nice to nice. see her like first um, viewing of that. Uh, but again it's nice for me as well uh, I think what else I'm listening through all the Red Rising series again for like the ninth <laughs> time because there's a new book coming out in two weeks I was going to say so yeah, get caught up on that the length of that new book Stephen I don't think it's been updated yet no it's not but it's confirmed by the Tim Jared Reynolds and also uh, Pierce Brown that that's temporary okay that's good uh, so yeah I'm getting geared up for that I'm currently on Iron Gold and I'm like 10 hours in and it's definitely the hardest book to, hardest audio book to get through of the of the five is it the fourth? that's the fourth yeah, yeah. You, you know all about uh, that's it <laughs> struggle throughout myself that's uh, it's the one that I I like the book but it's it's the one that I struggle with because of 
uh, <clears throat> certain POVs. Yeah, a lot, a lot of new characters. Two, two of the new characters are a bit hard to listen to. Um, anyway, what else? Um, I feel like there was something else that I've been doing. Uh, come back to me. I'm drawing. Oh, I'm rewatching all the Indiana Jones as well. I've been doing in preparation that. Preparation for our trip to the. Hey. Eh? I've been doing that as well, actually. Nice. Sorry. Which one are you? I watched uh, last weekend. I watched Temple of Doom. Second one. Second one. Uh, uh, I actually don't think I've seen the third or fourth one before. To be honest. Last Crusade's the best one. Don't watch the fourth one. <laughs> it doesn't exist. It's just like a, a kind of a revival almost. Even though this one does, lies a revival. It's terrible. Yeah, I've heard Shia mixed Lumba. things. Shia, Shia LaBeouf, sound like that. <laughs> that's that's all you have. To, that's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah so I'm uh, watching through all those again because uh, we're going to go see the, the new one soon um, I'm going to watch Last Crusade probably after we end the call here but that's that's the best one so you're in for a treat Jay I was if you, if you put that I was considering watching it myself after this call you know I'll uh, let you know do you want to do, do a watch along could do I want you just, just keep continue on this discord and just do a wee watch and just do a wee watch along yeah, maybe Look, <laughs> potentially. potentially. Effects, Sean Connery like, is in it, and he's class as always. Sean Connery. Um, but yeah, you just could record a what do you call it? Commentary. <laughs> Stephen yeah. Jason's reactions to the third Indiana Jones. <laughs> I'm so startled. But yeah, I think I think that's most everything for me. Um, Michael. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of um, TV and movies. TV shows I finished. Uh, finally finished The Last of Us. Finished Wednesday. Finished the new season of Black Mirror. Oh, Black Mirror uh, as well. Yeah, we watched all of those. And what yeah. What did you think of uh, The Last of Us? I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying, to fi- I'm trying to think back now. Spoilers, I haven't watched it all yet. So You haven't watched it? Spoiling. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was it was solid. What did you think? Uh, I loved it. Uh, have you watched any of it, Johnny? Uh, me and me and Dan started it, but sure you know what he's like. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> how many episodes have you watched? Like halfway. Like what is there? Eight? So four maybe, or if there's uh, ten, there's five. I don't know. I, would, I think I got about think halfway. Episode three well. is my favorite. Sarah, I don't want to watch it anymore. With the it's what? episode three is my favorite. Yeah, is that the one way with Nick Offerman. What do you call him? Uh, and Murray Bartlett. I was going to just say, as a Ron from Parks and Rec. Ah, beautiful TV. That that caused that caused a lot of uh, controversy <laughs> online, but I thought I I also thought it was a, a great episode. Yeah, I, was what was what was the controversy? Because what was it not like the game or something? The, it is in the game actually. It's a bit heavily hinted at in the game, but yeah, it's because it's a gay relationship, I suppose. Ah, okay. yeah, probably probably something like that. Yeah. Uh, in the game, it's only I hinted at the the, ba- the baby boomers in my in my office didn't didn't like that episode. <laughs> I openly <laughs> sobbed in the last twenty minutes of that episode. Yeah, it was, yeah, it, was a, it was a great episode. That was it was beautiful. I um, movies. I watched Avatar. Thought it was pretty good. I watched Bullet Train. That was a big surprise. I loved that movie. I absolutely Sorry. loved it. It's I've heard heard good. really good things about it. It's a good crack. Go back to yeah. Avatar. 
real quick was it was it did, was it as good as the first one it's was better it, than the first one i think better than the Except first one i was, thought it was just the same story it was good but it was just more to ask the same story again i thought it was i thought it was it had it was better it was more thematic like i, I think it, it had more of an emotional core than the first one i still but, hold that the first one was only so popular because of the 3d that was like one of the I first ones yeah. what he says James Cameron too. Anything he touches just makes fucking millions. Nah. I watched. Uh, I watched Wakanda Forever, which I hated. I really hated. Wow, Scott Baldwin is so boring. Really? Yeah, I, I, I just, I, I did not like it at all. Shocked by that. Um, I watched Hitchhikers, which I also hated. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Black Adam, which I actually thought was okay. Which I, I know that got panned really bad on reviews, but I thought that was I had I had some fun with it. Didn't that get panned was, because The Rock was like, "No, I want him to be a hero, and he's not a hero or something." Yeah, he's a, he's an yeah he, yeah that is that yeah that is a cop out. I hate I hate that they always do that where the the villain the story arc for the villain is always that they're an antihero. They're just yeah. afraid to just lean into it. Apart from Joker with Joaquin Phoenix, where they do lean into the villain there but for most they they make the villain an anti-hero if you look at venom or, or any of the sony i don't uh, watch you know, that vol- mock michael <laughs> and i will not watch that mock yeah but uh i had i i, I quite enjoyed venom too i thought it was a crazy crazy movie but it was fun uh, my my big issue with wakanda forever i just thought it was boring you know and I, it was way too long and at least black adam it was sort of fun do you know, like you just mentioned, Walking Phoenix. Did you see? There's, there's going to be in that new film, The Pull In. I've, I've saw, uh, I saw something about it on Reddit. That I didn't click it though. But he's got like the same, like kind of, you know, the wee kind of crown the the Emperor of Rome wears. Um, so there's like a yeah, contra- comparison between him and the gladiator scene, like. But yeah, it looks like someone I'd really enjoy anyway about like Napoleon. But um, just yeah. the fact that he he is playing Napoleon as well just makes it so much. Like I'll definitely go see that. Like. Yeah. That's about it. I, I've I've read a lot of books as well, but uh, that's a, that's too, a given, many like, to, too many to even go on. <laughs> and to, what, and started like, like fifty podcasts. It's been, it's, it's been like a month since we last recorded or whatever. So Michael's read at least fifty books <laughs> and started ten podcasts and started ten <laughs> podcasts. Here, um, just just quickly before I forget, did you hear that there's a new Willy Wonka phone coming out? Yeah, Jesus, is there? Oh yeah. Trailer's awful. It's a prequel though. Yeah, it's, it's not the yeah. same. Yeah. Yeah, the trailer's grim. Uh Timothy Chalamet just does not have like the the whimsy of Willy Wonka. Is he the one that's playing Willy Wonka? Aye. Yeah. I'm a, a man's a child. <laughs> yeah, but it's a it's a prequel. It's like an oxymoron there. It's like how you started the the uh, chocolate factory. Oh, uh, I get, I get you, I get you. Uh, so it's supposed to be a young Wally Wonka. Yeah. There's a podcast I listen to, and they have a reoccurring joke about that movie where they call it Jonka, as in it's like the Joker. It's going to be like the dark reboot of Wally <laughs> Wonka, and they call it Jonka. It's. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> do you know what I, I love though? Right. I was looking up the cast list, and apparently Hugh Grant plays an Oompa Loompa. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. That's, like, that's amazing. That's he's in the trailer. That's actually good. If you watch the trailer, he's in it. Is he? Yeah. Also, I, haven't, I haven't actually seen... Do you know, I, well, 
I watched part of the trailer, but it was where somebody had superimposed Gonzo from the Muppets over the, <laughs> over uh, Timothy Chalamet. Oh, and the same sort of like red jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, there's a line in the trailer where Timothy Chalamet is like, "We're making chocolate, of course," and it's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's the weirdest delivery I've ever seen. Oh my god. Is he? Uh, is it a prequel for? To see it now. Is it a prequel for Johnny Depp's Willy Wonka or uh, Gene, Gene Wilder? Don't know. Because if it's Gene no. Wilder, I'm on board. But it won't be. Gene so. Wilder was uh, all the way was still a weird Willy Wonka because obviously Willy Wonka is supposed to be weird. Johnny Depp's is just about was ridiculous. Yeah. If anything. Yeah. Willy um, Wonka is a child murderer. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Depp? No, Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty dark. There's kids. Why, yeah. Why do you think the chocolate tastes so good? <laughs> it's a secret ingredient. Okay. Um, what oh, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. What, one, Am I ever going to get this ass thing, you dick? Looking at the cast list <laughs> again, right? Guess who's... I don't know what role he's playing, but Cobna Holbrook-Smith is cast somewhere. If you remember him from, uh, what was it, River? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. I was, why, why is that name familiar? So there you go. Guys, we got to do a, a Jonka podcast. Jonka. <laughs> I don't want to do that, Michael. Right. Am I safe to uh, say what I'm Go ahead. Hold on, what? No. Nah. <laughs> oh, dear. What am I consuming? My God, Jonathan. <laughs> I forgot it's been so now. Long I, to think about it. I know. No, it's been so long. I forgot everything I was going to say. Um, I've been watching Black Mirror from the start, so I haven't seen the new ones yet. But um, Daniel wanted the. Or we're watching. kind of rewatching them for. He's never seen them, and then I was like, uh, I know you obviously they're not related, but to each other. But um, I was just, you know, it's such a good show. Like I just wanted to rewatch it. Um, so I've been rewatching that. I uh, just watched the one, you know, the the one with the gaming headset, uh, and it goes into the haunted house and all. Just a fantastic. I think episode. that's my favorite. Yeah, it's, it's up there at night. Um, but yeah, I was been watching that. Um, still watching Avatar: The Last Airbender, which I actually seen there that Netflix are supposed to be making a new show for. Um, trailer for that. I'm pretty sure as well. I just I just seen a. We seen Jason. I think there's either a trailer or at least pictures of the live action cast uh, released for that. Uh, yeah, so I haven't seen any. I haven't. I don't really like watching trailers because you know I hate those ones that everything about the movie or the show is on the trailer, and then you go and watch it and you're like, oh, I've already seen this, like, because I watched the trailer. Oh yes, yeah. um, Spider Verse sequel. Looking at you. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I've been walking when I watch for that, and I try and pick up the pace then on time for watching the new Netflix one. Um, whenever that might come out um, obviously The Witcher just released I think the third season there the last one with Henry Cavill I haven't started it yet but I hopefully get it started soon now in the next few days um, so as soon as I uh, finish uh, the next few episodes of uh, another show that I'm watching I'm almost finished the first season of it um, called Halt and Catch Fire um, so this is actually about the um, creating it's actually a computer one so Stephen you might be on it um, they're basically competing against IBM to create um, a better computer, a faster computer and stuff. Class. Um, so, so there's a What's lot of like, halt, halt and catch fire. Oh, yeah. So there's like a, the 
there's basically like a tech side of things and it's very technical and all but then there's also the business guy who's just kind of like he's all about closing deals and stuff like that so it's got a very like almost like you know the show suits um it's kind of got like that kind of businessy lawyer kind of side of it as well um so it's yeah it's quite good um but i'm watching the almost finished the first season of that uh, in terms of watching uh listening um we, we obviously haven't done an episode and like we usually we do one every two weeks and i think it's actually been like five or six weeks now to be honest um but obviously me yeah um been trying to fill my time or my reading time that i would usually listen to whatever you know book we're reviewing um so i've been listening to um so i got that you know that hg wells collection and i read i've already read or listened to the war of the worlds and the first man the moon so now the next one is the time machine um, which I believe has a, a popular movie as well. Um, so I'm listening to that, and I know it's quite short. Um, so that's the actual book I'm listening to at the minute. And there's also a good um, course that I've been listening to on that. Um, it's called 12 Essential Scientific Concepts, and it kind of goes through and gives a kind of almost a dumbed-down version of, like, you know, a lot of big scientific breakthroughs and, like, the most important kind of discoveries in science in, like, the last couple of centuries. Um, so it's, it's very, very interesting. And then gaming wise, I have been playing uh, like a strategy game um, called Rome Total War. If you've heard of the Total War series, um, basically just a thing where you can uh, uh, create armies and go around murdering people. Like so, um, yeah, they're quite quite popular games in the strategy world. But um, yeah, the Rome one is my favorite one. But I've uh, been playing a lot of it too. Um, but yeah, I think that's everything. But everything for me. I'll keep busy, but. Uh, also then, if we we'll move on to plugs, um, I'll just fill in mind I'm still working on the YouTube videos. Um, so I think I released episode 8 of my um, C programming series, and I think it'll be 10 episodes, so I'll almost finish the first season of that, and then I'll maybe move on to a different thing, and then come back to that series. Like I'll kind of jump between different um, projects for that. Um, but yeah, that's the only thing I wanted to plug at the minute. Do you guys have any plugs? Um if anyone wants some proud physio in Glasgow. <laughs> uh, How much will that sting me, Jay? the pound, pound for an hour. Um, hit me up. Uh, yeah, I've got a couple of things too. Just um, a couple, Michael? Just a couple. I'm not going to talk about it. Like, lots of things. <laughs> uh I've just been working on the stories I've talked about before. I'm writing two episodes of my other podcast, The Dark Tales, concurrently. Uh, I think I said one of them was, I, I thought it could potentially be novel length. It is now, uh, it's just, I've got one more chapter to write and it's now 51,000 words to give it's, that a free it's, of it's reference. It's actually became five books. <laughs> To give that a frame of reference, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is 50,000, so it's just slightly longer than Hitchhiker, so it as book length. I might try to send it out to agents with query letters, and if nothing comes of that, then I'll just record it for the podcast. Um, and the other other one I'm writing is called The Ascension. Um, that is 20,000 words at the minute and it's only got one more chapter to write so I just have to finish that and then do the rewrites and do the narration for those so not too far off impressive but yeah that's everything for me anything from you Stephen? nah nothing for me nice um okay then uh 
that's my hosting done. I'm going to pass it over now to the first time for Jason to host. He'll be doing the next episode, and so he'll be giving his next pick now. So go, go ahead, Jason. Um, so yeah, I feel like I touched on this a little bit uh, in the last podcast. Um, I mentioned I was reading a book by Cormac McCarthy called The Road. I think I maybe had just finished it, and it was very bleak, but it was really enjoyable. Um, so I was hoping about maybe trying another one of his books um, called Blood Meridian, I believe it's pronounced. Um, but since the timing of recording the previous podcast and this podcast, the author, Cormac McCarthy, has since died. Um, would you like to see the cover? How we look? Yes, please. Yes. Yes. Yes, please. Blood Meridian. There it is in the, the okay. group. You can see it. Okay, yeah. Or evening redness in the west. To give a description, I guess, for the listener. Um, so most of it is a uh, red background. Um, so it says the title Blood Meridian. And then underneath that says, Or the evening redness in the west. Um, and then there's kind of like a small section. Basically the middle of the cover is like a wagon. Like a you know, like a Western wagon being pulled like away from the image, and so it's clearly obviously a Western setting, as it says in the title as well. Um, so that's it's kind of all we can really see. Yeah, it doesn't give much away, I suppose. Um, but any any takers? Uh, I mean, just did the obvious. It's you know, set in the old West. There's going to be. Uh, based on the wagon, I guess the the char- the main character or characters are traveling across the you know the west, and they're uh, there's a lot of like bandits or something or some they're gonna get you know shoot out somehow, and there's bloods involved. I don't know. Basically, basically every uh, <laughs> western. Yeah, just western. It's a it's a western. <laughs> okay, stereotypical western. Know. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else? Oh, hold on. Can, hold I, on. can I can I have a rattle at it? Yeah. So um, I've read, I've also read The Road. That's the only other Carmack McCarthy book I've read. Um, I'm gonna guess that this is set in the Old West. I know that's a uh, that's controversial, but um, <laughs> I'm gonna guess that this is about a haggard, old, retired. Oh, he's going deep. I'm tr- sheriff. I'll say. Uh, he's he's hung up his gun. He's out of practice. These bandits or, or something like that, or some kind of outlaws, come to town causing trouble, uh, causing a ruckus. He's you know he's 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 not quite what he was, and basically it's it's sort of a, a revenge story, but. Not not necessarily a happy one or one with a a, a resolution that will will favor the protagonist. I might, I would say it's gonna be quite a bittersweet western about the, a haggard grizzle, grizzled old. I want to change my answer yeah. because I feel like we have to narrow in now that Michael's gone. Like I just said, western. Uh, he, you said not say very yeah, much. I feel like I need to I need to go with more specific. So I'm gonna Should say I? it's. If you imagine the film Django, where you've got uh, 
Dr. King, <laughs> Dr. King Schultz, right? That boy, I, that right. boy pulling the wagon's actually a dentist. Um, yeah, but he's actually a bandit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say it's about a bounty hunter in the old west. A bounty hunter. Bounty hunter in the old west. Yeah. John. Okay. Yeah. Um, the evening. Just the evening redness. Um, Michael, what was your guess again? Because I think what I'm thinking might be actually just what you said, but I just want to check. Michael said so a retired old like sheriff. A... There's bandits. Old sheriff. There's bandits. Okay. Right. Um, I think it's about this lone, this lone wolf character um, who's basically wandering um, the West, um, doesn't quite know his place or where he belongs and essentially uh, finds somewhere something that he cares do you know what a good way to describe it is the way you know the hound does near the end of Game of Thrones where he you know he's like a character that just hates everyone and doesn't ever kind of belong anywhere but then he like finds a sweet community of people and he starts to care about them and then they get massacred and then he goes on a revenge story or a revenge mission that's that's kind of my guess. Good guesses. Good guesses. Um, so yeah, I suppose we'll we'll find out next time. I hope yeah. it's like it's not even about the old west and it's like Mars or something on the cover. <laughs> it's it's uh it's actually these hitchhikers getting picked up by. Uh, it's actually sw- it's a prequel to June. <laughs> See, since since Jason put it on put the 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 cover onto the chat all that's going around in my head is you know that Simpsons episode gonna paint this wagon (laughs) (laughs) it's a musical book yeah well that's gonna ruin the book for me now I'm just gonna be thinking about gonna paint this wagon (laughs) (laughs) Um, could I just give like a one little uh, quote I've seen about the book uh, just to give you a bit of context about what we're jumping into here go for it uh, I've seen it described as the let me just get it right here the greatest terrible book ever made oh yes <laughs> right well, sounds, sounds great might be a bit terrible. of a jump away from uh, how, Hitchhikers how so long is the book did you say there's going to be no hope or joy I think it's like 11 12 hours okay, okay. and who's narrating actually he is narrating let me double check I just go through that again then Jason just to finish off what's the title the writer and the narrator uh, so the title of the next book is Love Meridian by Cormac McCarthy narrated by Richard Poe it is about 13 hours long <laughs>